0: What's up, future PTAs? If you're taking the exam in April 2024 or later, listen up because we will be hosting our quarterly masterclass webinar on Sunday, January 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So this webinar is specific for students who maybe have failed before, or maybe you're worried about getting in your own head as you're studying for the April exam and it's like your first time taking it. So during this masterclass webinar, I'm gonna be giving you guys the blueprint to help you guys be successful. This is the exact same stuff I teach students who work one-on-one with me directly in my coaching program. So if you're able to sign up for free down in the show note description down below, now onto the show. What's up guys today, we're going to be going over Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So this is probably one of the most common conditions that's going to show up under like pediatrics and like neurological rehabilitation. Um, Just because it's one of those that has like a lot of unique indicators and there is a decent amount of kiddos out there who have uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So let's get into it. So anatomy associated with this condition, again, it's going to be the muscles themselves and the muscle cells, because there's a loss of dystrophin, So It's like a protein in there and nebulin as well. And those are used to help with muscle contractility and keep the muscles functioning how they're supposed to with their myofibrils, with their cell membranes, all of that stuff. So essentially those myofibrils, so that's like all the connective tissues and stuff, like all the connective parts of the muscle cell, those are being destroyed And then also that means that the muscle contractility is lost. So because there's no myofibrils for the muscles, to you know, start sliding along, they're losing their contractility. And then therefore the cell membrane also weakens because all the structural stuff within the muscle and muscle cells is just kind of, you know, it's not happening. Um, Fat and connective tissue eventually replace all of the muscle cells. So the muscle cells are deteriorating, they're disappearing. And then you're having like fatty connective tissue replacing it. So it's either like not moving and not stretching a lot or it's just kind of getting flabby. So essentially they're losing their muscles and as they lose their muscles, they're losing their function. So understanding that also the diaphragm is a skeletal muscle. So that one is affected by Duchenne muscular dystrophy with the dystrophin gene and everything. So therefore this child is most likely going to pass away because of acute respiratory distress syndrome. And that's just because their diaphragm is no longer working because it is a skeletal muscle. So an end of life care for this patient, they are going to be on a, like some sort of positive airway pressure, some sort of ventilation purposes. So etiology with this patient. So this is a genetically linked disorder. So it is linked to the X chromosome. And so I have a nice little uh, Punnett square over here that I'm going to explain in a minute, but understanding that it is a genetically transmitted um, disorder and it's going to be on the X chromosome, which means that it's going to u- present in male patients while female patients well, female individuals are going to be carriers of this disease. So let's kind of break this down. So imagine if you can see my cursor here that this X with this little d, that's the recessive Duchenne muscular dystrophy gene. Then you have a big X, big D, and that's going to be a normal one and then a normal X as well over here. So you have your male patient up here. So males, as if they do, they're not going to be carriers because they only have one X chromosome. So thinking back to our biology class. So for this patient, um, the mother is going to be the one that is going to give the defective gene that's going to manifest into Shane muscular dystrophy. So you can see here that this is only going to present with male patients and the female patients. So there's a 25% chance of this female being a carrier. And then 25% 25% chance of them not being a carrier. There's a 25% chance if they have a male a male child um, of other children that they have no Duchenne muscular dystrophy, then the other chance would be that they do have it. So, of this, if you have a mother who's a carrier and a father who's unaffected, there's a 25% chance that they will have a male child with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So, that's kind of how the Punnett Square ends up working out. Um, again, the male patients who have duchenne muscular dystrophy are not going to be able to have their own children because probably they're going to by the time they reach puberty they are no longer walking their muscles are kind of not functioning as they should which includes like their um erector muscles within their penis so they're probably not going to be reproducing again these individuals are probably passing away in early adulthood so if they're going to decide to have children it would be that They're severely debilitated by the time they have the cognitive ability to be able to think about having children and then It would have to be a lot of genetic stuff and a lot of individuals, if they have it, they're not trying to have children because they don't want to predispose them to the same condition that they are currently suffering from. So that's kind of what's happening, why it will always be a male patient that is presenting with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. You will not have a female patient because the male patient would have to be defective to have to have a child who has Duchenne muscular dystrophy that is a female so that just it's it's just not happening so the boards is only going to ask you about a male patient and that's just me assuring you that it will not be a female patient with duchenne muscular dystrophy although it is a possibility that a female could have it in the grand scheme of things no so let's move on so what does it look like so this is going to be an individual presenting between two to five years of age where they start kind of showing that they might have signs of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. They're starting to see that like proximal muscle weakness and stuff like that. Again, as I was kind of mentioning before, the child can be genetically tested for this. Um, Actually, one of my professors at school said that she had, I don't know if it was like family members or like, I think it was a friend. She said that she got genetic testing on all of her eggs to make sure that she wasn't going to have a child who had Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So they can test it at like the egg level um, in female individuals. And that's kind of cool, but she wanted to test because her brother has Duchenne muscular dystrophy and she did not want to um, bring another child into this world who would have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So they can genetically test it at the egg level, which I think is pretty cool. Um, And then they can also test the child while they're in the womb with their amniotic testing and everything to make sure um, if the parents would like to know if there is something that their child has that they could they would need resources to be able to, um, work with as their child ages, then they would know as the child is in utero. So it's kind of interesting how they can do all the genetic testing even before there's even a child. Pretty cool. Um, so it is a progressive disorder. So it's going to present with proximal muscle weakness first showing off with like toe walking because like they're trying to, you know, instead of hip flexing, they're using their, um, their gastrox, which is kind of where we would see the pseudo hypertrophy start to happen and because they're having that proximal muscle weakness now again the proximal muscles are going to stabilize everything it's kind of going to cause the um, patient to probably trip and fall and stuff like that and this patient is going to present with an excessive lordosis I don't know if you can see with this individual once they're standing up but you can see that they're um, getting that excessive lordosis due to the weakness and stretched outness of like their hip flex. I mean due to the weakness of their pelvic muscles in general. So you can see that their back muscles are starting to get really, really tight because they're trying their best to hold themselves up and it's just kind of not happening with them. So you're going to see that excessive lordosis and anterior pelvic tilt with this patient. Again, this patient is going to probably lose their ability to walk by age 10 to 12. And as they're younger than that, they're probably going to start getting a disinterest in like running around and stuff like that. And like the normal, like kind of like how kids want to play around. So it's essentially just a progressive loss of mobility. And then this is the more important thing. These individuals are going to present with this Gowers sign. So this is where they're going to use their hands to push up on their legs to stand due to that proximal weakness at both the hip flexors and the glutes. So remember the glutes are responsible for hip extension. That's kind of the last part of standing up. And so they are losing all that proximal ability to stand up. So they're using their arms as a compensation method. So this is what you'll start seeing with these individuals at like age, like six, seven, they're going to start presenting with this and, um, well, at least by that point, they will present with it, and again, the patient will eventually lose their ability to walk, so they will need to use a wheelchair for community ambulation, and this individual, unfortunately, does only have a life expectancy of 25 years of age, as what the boards kind of leans towards, and that is due to respiratory failure at end of life. So sorry to be depressing guys, but how are we going to treat this patient? So the big thing with a lot of these progressive disorders, including like ALS and stuff like that, or like MS and things like that is we are going to, and I'm going to repeat this like 10 times, maintain the maximum level as, of function as long as possible. So what that means is if this kiddo is still running around with their friends, we're going to let them run around with their friends. We're not fitting them for a wheelchair. If this kiddo is, um, able to walk without tripping we're not going to give them an afo or something like that like if they're good to go we're going to keep them there as long as possible if they're still able to stand and walk around we're still able to do that if all they can do is sit up we're not going to make them lay down you know what i mean like we're going to work with what we got for as long as possible these individuals are probably going to be on some pharmacological management usually due to like immunosuppressants to like prevent the body from continuing to attack attack its own um, muscle cells and stuff like that due to the loss of dystrophin and they're probably going to be on some sort of pain medication. As they get more progressed through the disease, because it probably is going to become more painful for them to like even breathe, to move, and stuff like that, due to like severe soreness with just any activity. So for us, we'd get a little sore after a workout, and then it will go away within like what a day or two, unless it's like one of those crazy ones where you're like worked, you're dead for like the next week. But for these individuals, every time that they do some sort of minor workout, they're going to be just wrecked for the next like couple days, and you might cause them to lose more function. So we're making sure that we're not overdoing it with these patients. Again, this patient is probably going to be treated in a pediatric facility. Um, you might have a child come into a random outpatient clinic with, um, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, but there's a lot of PTs that specialize in this as PTAs. We can go do pediatric PT as well. I actually just consulted one of my coworkers and it's like the only one that I really know that's really good at pediatrics and she is a PTA. So PTAs can do this. So working on not overdoing it with the patient, as I said before, because they could get extremely sore. And then it's kind of causing a lot of problems for this patient, losing more ability to do things. So again, working on maintaining the current level of function as as long as possible. So we're not going to put them in a wheelchair unless we realize they're never walking again. So we're working on just keeping them where they're at for as long as possible, keeping like just maintaining they're not going to get better. We're working on maintaining. We're going to encourage the child to continue to move and play because they are a little kiddo. Like imagine if someone told you at like six years old or like in first grade, like, oh, you can't run anymore. Rude. You want to keep running. So we want them to continue to play and move because remember we treat children through play. Kids learn through play. So just making everything a game, making it fun, working on things. Maybe you're playing on the floor with them, playing a game or something, or we're playing like, you know, the floor is lava, something like that. We're just working on making sure that this patient is doing the fun things and being a kid for as long as possible. Cause they really, really drew a short end of the stick with the Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So we're trying to make it as, you know, quality of life for this patient, Again, they'll probably eventually need to be fitted for some sort of orthotics. Maybe it's just to help with walking and everything, putting foot in a proper position, wheelchair fitting. We might need to have them have assistive devices like a loft crutches to help them with mobility, but this is only addressed. So like the, the parents are going to know eventually this kid's going to need to be in a wheelchair, but we're only going to address it once a patient has lost function, absolutely needs it. Obviously, because we live in the U S it takes forever with insurance to approve things. So, you know, a couple months before we think that they might actually need it we're going to address that, but no sooner than that. Um, as this patient does progress through their disease, definitely range of motion, stretching and positioning. Cause we don't want this patient to be getting like pressure sores and stuff like that. Not good. Making sure that we're not having this patient have contractures and stuff like that to allow them to stay as functional as possible. So essentially we're like, Teaching the parents all these stretching exercises to do with the kid at home, teaching the kids some self stretching, you know, for fun and stuff like that, just kind of working on what we need to work on with this patient. Um, postural drainage comes back around guys so we're going to have to address a lot of the respiratory issues that this patient is going to have in their like later years and that's including like postural drainage. And like breathing techniques like diaphragmatic breathing trying their best to have them um, be as functional as long as possible and avoid respiratory distress for as long as possible and i'd say the biggest thing the number one thing besides the maintaining maximum level of function for this patient and this is true for every single child that you're going to treat is caregiver education so the younger the child is the more you're talking to the parents we actually just had like a three month old come to the clinic the other day. It was really interesting. But yeah, so the younger the child, the more you're going to talk to the parents. So essentially we're educating the parent on like, here's probably like, here's what we need to work on right now. This is what we need to be doing with the kid at home, continuing to play, not overdoing it, making sure that we're stretching them out, teaching them how to stretch their child and stuff like that, teaching them positional stuff, transfers and stuff as the child progresses along, just educating them of kind of what's going on. Cause they're going to be the one who's going to do the postural drainage on the child when it wakes up in the morning. So that's kind of where we are with, uh, parent education. And as a child gets older, like I think about it, like I'm like 25. So like, unfortunately, like I'm the end of, if I had mm-hmm. Duchenne muscular dystrophy and I was male, I would pass away at this point, but it's like, they're getting like, they're able to understand as they're getting older, kind of like, okay, my body's kind of failing me. I need to make sure that like, I'm trying to weight shift as much as possible, like educating the patient themselves as they get older because kids become adults eventually. And so with this individual, We're just working on like teaching them kind of what's going on self care techniques, positional changes, trying to just educate them appropriately at whatever age they are that this is what we want them to do so. Um, that's the big thing with how we're treating it maximum level of function, patient caregiver education. So keywords for this, and this is a good one that you can really pull out some keywords. If it's asking you a differential diagnosis, what's going on or, uh, what kind of presentation we'll have with this patient. So big one is the Gower sign. So where you push up on your, push up on your legs to help yourself stand all the way up due to proximal weakness. So that's another one on here, the pseudo hypertrophy of the gastrocnemius muscles. So that's another one that's going to be indicative of, uh, uh uh Duchenne muscular dystrophy an x-linked recessive disorder that is Duchenne muscular dystrophy um there's other x-linked recessive disorders such as like hemophilia and stuff like that um but when it comes to like a muscular kind of thing this is one of the big ones understanding how the punnett square kind of works understanding that it's going to present in male patients and females will be the carrier um just kind of realizing that it's going to be a male child. So again, any question that you're going to have about a child with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, it will be a male patient because that is the like 99.99999% presentation of this, as I kind of mentioned of the limitations to a um, male individual having another child with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, if they already have it. Um, we'll see the proximal muscle weakness when it comes to, uh, like the standing up. So in the glutes and the hip flexors and everything, we're seeing that, and then loss of dystrophin. So anything where the dystrophin gene is defective or that there's no dystrophin, we're thinking Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So sample question, guys. A physical therapist assistant is treating a six-year-old boy diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. The physical therapist assistant notices that the child tends to toe walk and is demonstrating a fairly pronounced Gower sign. What intervention should the therapist perform? Number one, 40 reps of standing marches. Two, discuss with caretakers that the child needs to be fitted for a wheelchair immediately. Three, sit on the floor and play. Dino- sit on the floor with the child and play dinosaurs while emphasizing trunk control. Or four, play the four is lava while emphasizing putting entire foot down when stepping on flat obstacles. So I know that this was kind of a lot, so I'll give you guys a second to think about it. All right, guys so the answer is number four play the floor is lava while emphasizing putting entire foot down when stepping on flat obstacles so the reason why the other answers are wrong so number one the 40 reps of standing marches is first of all that's boring for a kid um so like any just like straight reps of something the kids are gonna be like I'm bored after like three reps um so it would be fairly inappropriate for a child but also we don't want to give them a ton of reps of something I know that there are there is like proximal muscle weakness, but we don't want to like overdo it with the reps. Cause that could cause this child to be super sore, lose function, all this stuff. We don't want it. It's an inappropriate intervention. Number two, discussing with caretakers. So the child needs to be fitted for a wheelchair immediately. As I said before, we're only fitting for a wheelchair when it's absolutely necessary. So this kid's got like another like three or so years before that, that's going to be a conversation. So, um, with this individual, we are not we're trying to maintain the maximum level of function so if he's saying he's toe walking around he does have the gower sign but with that being said he's still walking around that's the thing so if he's still walking we don't need a wheelchair so that's an inappropriate um intervention because that's debilitating the child further than where they already are at um number three sit on the floor with the child and play dinosaurs emphasizing trunk control okay so this is a good answer just because like this is probably a good intervention with the kiddo if they start getting tired from walking around and to work on trunk control and stuff like that. And who doesn't love playing with dinosaurs? I love dinosaurs. Um but understand that this kid can still walk. So we're trying to maximize their current level and maintain as long as possible. So that's why number four saying the floor is lava, emphasizing putting entire foot down. So that's working on addressing the toe walking. Um, But also the child isn't standing, we're doing a standing exercise and we're trying to make and we're making it fun. So that is why this is the correct answer, trying to make sure that we're maintaining the maximum level of function, which is the child can still walk. So let's do walking things. Um, And then with the cues for gait and stuff like that, and then playing with them. So those are like the big three for kids with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. All right, guys, I hope this was helpful in kind of explaining what's going on with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, why certain presentations would show up on the boards and like what's important to know when it comes to this. All right, guys, I will see you in the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PTA Elevation podcast. We look forward to continually serving you as you embark on your journey towards becoming a licensed physical therapist assistant. We thank you for your continued support and we'll see you in the next episode.